You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m., heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, OC Talk Radio. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we here at the station and the program encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast time. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, Smart Business Magazine, and our newest sponsor, Smart Stop Self Storage. The goal for the show is to help you, our listening audience, make better business decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. If you'd like to learn more about the Renaissance process, find more information on their website, Executive Forums, spelled F. O-R-U-M-S dot com. It gives me great pleasure to welcome the first of our two guests today. And before I do that, I should say, if you're expecting to hear my interview with Ted Sherwin of IBSDM, then just hold on because IBS Direct will and Ted will be with us at the bottom of the show in about 30 minutes. But before we get to Ted with IBS Direct, who Ted is the president, we're going to talk with the CEO of Rita's Italian Ice, that is Jonathan Fernacci. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Let's begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about Rita's Italian Ice. So, so Rita's is the largest Italian ice and custard chain in the United States. Uh, there's about 700 locations, uh, primarily on the East Coast, but we're rapidly expanding, opening up 200 just in Southern California alone. Uh, and we just started going international this year with locations opening in China, India, Canada, and soon in the Middle East. Okay, so take us um, back in time. Uh Talk to us about the history of the firm. Yeah, it was founded um, by two firemen, actually, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and the product actually out here on the East Coast is called water ice, which uh, was strange to me, but uh, it's just a, a very unique blend of water and fresh fruit, and, and it's served at a consistency that's in between liquid and in between frozen, and very, very refreshing when you have these hot, humid days um, that you get on the East Coast. So two firemen found it actually in their home about 30 years ago, and it's just took off like wildfire, and it's been expanding ever since. I have to admit, I didn't expect you to tell me it was started by two firemen, not exactly the image I'd get of Rita's Italian Ice. So help me to understand the name and kind of a little bit more about these firefighters. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the firefighters were... Um, one of them actually was out on disability and and was bored and 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 had a conversation with his mom 
and his mom and him decided, hey, wait a second, we should do this, and they got their uh, his brother involved in it, and they opened it. Um, and what they did to make it unique is they developed a very unique process of, of producing this product. The, the very first flavor they ever came out was lemon, and it's uh, it's sweet and tart, and it, and it just took off amazing. Now, the, now the name Rita was actually the fireman's uh, the fireman's um, mo- uh, excuse me, not mother, but uh, wife. So he named the company in honor of his wife that he loved so much. So you're not. Uh, thank you for filling in. Now I get where Rita was going. I was going to keep asking you until I figured out how the heck did they come up with the name Rita. But now that I know Jonathan, I can move on. And th- that's. A, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about your background because I know this isn't your first time in the rodeo. I mean, you've been in the um, restaurant industry for a while. So tell the audience a little bit about your professional background and sort of how you made your way to Rita's Italian Ice. Yeah, I well, I went to school in California. Went to school at, at Berkeley, uh, and and have done a number of different jobs. But uh, my actual background for a good fifteen years was in technology, of all things. I uh, graduated with a degree in physics and went into high tech world, um, and really, really enjoyed it. You know, actually doing some stuff that was actually rocket science. Um, and then, um, oh gosh, now about six, seven years ago, I got involved in the restaurant business. Um, first by opening up a restaurant and then expanding on to getting into the franchising business, running a, um, a West Coast pizza chain called Straw Hat Pizza, which was just uh, wonderful. It was great to go to work each day and have all these great choices of food to try. Um, and then uh, last year, uh, Rita's was purchased by a private equity firm, and they brought me out from California to run Rita's basically taking it national and then global. Um, so what we're in the process of doing is just expanding Rita's and this product that is ex- very, very unique. And that's the one thing that surprised me the most. Having moved from California to the East Coast, I thought, you know, how different can this product really be? And, you know, in my mind, I thought it was something like you'd see in California, like, oh, a snow cone or shaved ice. And when I tried this product, there's nothing I've ever had anywhere in the world that I've lived, and I've lived in you know many different countries, that even compares to what this product tastes like. And I think that's one of the things that's given the, this company such uh, rapid growth is when you when you, people try this product, they're hooked on it. Um, it, it, it shocks me the, the level of uh, fan hype. You know, the, the only thing I could closely compare it to from the West Coast was In-N-Out Burger. Um, you know, give you an example. We have over 750,000 likes on Facebook. The, the first day of spring, we run this promotion where we give away a free cup of ice. Um, and this Italian ice, you know, a cup, of, a cup of Italian ice costs you about $3. Well, people will wait in line the first day of spring for an hour, an hour and a half for a free cup of ice, which just shocked me. We give away one and a half million cups of ice on the first day of spring. And, um, you know, it's 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 literally like a carnival in front of all the locations across the United States. So the name Italian Ice is really almost a, a misnomer, it sounds like, in some ways, for what the actual product is as far as its consistency and taste and flavor choices, it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah the, the original Italian Ice that, you know, that I actually grew up was, you know, the things you get at the, from the, um, the traveling um, ice cream man, right? It was a right, little cup, right. it was rock solid, and you had a little uh, wood scooper. And uh, the product was, you know, not very good, not very enjoyable, and there was nothing original about it. Um, this product, you know, it doesn't even compare. It's very different. We have 67 different flavors 
uh, Italian ice we make um, from, you know, standard flavors like, you know, raspberry, strawberry, and all of our fruit flavors are actually made fresh with uh, real fruit, and every product's made every single day. Uh, the product, because it's it's made fresh, it only lasts for 24 hours, and after 24 hours, it's it's actually thrown away the next day. Uh, and then recently, we started doing projects with a number of the candy manufacturers to do co-branded products. So this year, our famous product was Sour Patch Kids, um, and it went over so well with the kids that we actually blew through our, our entire inventory of um, product within the first week and had to go back and order more product just because of the huge demand that was out there. So we do Sour Patch Kids, uh, Swedish Fish, and in 2013, our new product that we're going to roll out is called Strawberry Starburst. Oh, what an interesting... Uh, were, were, tell me again, were you aware of Rita's before the you were approached to uh, take, take over in your current capacity, or... No, is this no. A, uh, never, never heard of it in uh, San Francisco, uh, which is where I'm from. I had never gone, you know, never heard of it, and I traveled extensively and never had this product. And then when I came out to Philadelphia, everybody, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, Rita's and um, cheesesteaks are the basically the, the foods that everybody eats here. So I never had it, and it was it was a huge shock to me when I tried it because it was so unique. And the other product that we do is we do a uh, custard. And I'd never had custard before, frozen custard, you know, so, like soft serve. I, you know, I'd always had things like you get at, you know, any place that has soft serve, whether it's a Dairy Queen or a McDonald's, but I'd never had frozen custard, which uh, is remarkable. I mean, the, the, the difference is night and day between something you would get at, like a Dairy Queen uh, and a frozen custard. I mean, it's extremely rich. Uh, it's amazing. Um, and then the other thing that, that's unique is we actually mix. You can get, you know, your Italian ice just just in a cup, or you can mix it with custard, which is what a lot of people do. They'll get a little bit of custard mixed in with uh, whatever their favorite flavor is, and it produces a very uh, unique taste that uh, I never experienced before. So all this was was new to me, and you know I'm I'm like to convert. I you know I never had it before. I came out and I tried it, and I was like, wow! Now I get it. Now I understand why people wait in line an hour and a half for a free cup of ice. Well, you know, our, our producer and partner in Philadelphia, Ken Wax, is doing an outstanding job of bringing us interesting guests who are leading interesting businesses because you mentioned cheesesteaks, and it made me think about last year, maybe in November, or in the, yeah, I think it was in November, uh, we had the CEO and owner of Pat's King of Steaks on the program, and we were talking about Philly cheesesteaks, and I have to admit, my mouth is watering when I was talking to him, and my mouth is watering again when I'm talking to you because it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon out here, and what you're talking about sounds pretty interesting and pretty tasty. Let's ask you, what is it specifically that you have been brought in to do? What is your vision for Rita's? Why did they tap you? Kind of help us to understand what, you, what your role in the organization is now. When I got brought in, uh, the company has an iconic brand um, that, that people know and love on the East Coast, um, and the product is you know exceptional. Um, really, no head-to-head competitors. But what they really wanted to do with um, when the private equity firm purchased the company was they really wanted to take it both national and international. And I've got you know a lot of experience uh, in my past lives, you know. Having been an executive at GE Capital and other companies, of um, you know, really doing a lot of international business and understanding what it takes to go in. Like we open our first store in China next month, 
Um, and it takes a lot. You know, to go do business in China, you really have to have a good understanding of it. So we'll be putting a couple hundred stores in China, you know, the same number in India. And, you know, to me, the product will work fantastic there because we brought product over and we did a lot of taste um, profiles and testing over there. But it's it's a lot to, to be able to bring a team in and know what it takes to open a store in, you know, Shanghai and and Mumbai. And so that's, you know, I put together a, a really strong team that understands that. The same thing goes for rapid expansion to the West Coast. The West Coast is very different than the East Coast as far as business and, and taste profiles and, and everything like that. So being able to put the right team in place in Los Angeles and Nevada and Arizona so that we can actually grow rapidly on the West Coast and bring this product out there. And, and this product fits in very well because it is made fresh daily. It is made with real fruit. That ties in with the health-conscious health people in California and the West Coast. Um, and, you know, it just shocked me looking at some of uh, the competitors as I got into this business and actually start going down the list and start reading the ingredients that are in a lot of these, you know, frozen desserts, you know, whether it's, uh, it's you know, ice milk, ice cream, some of these other products out there. You know, when you actually read it, you need a degree in chemistry to start to understand this versus just simple things like, you know, real fruit. So that was really the task that I, they brought me on board was is bringing the team, putting in the right people in place to do it. And, and my philosophy has always been, I think this is what's allowed me to be successful, is you hire really good people. Um, you give them all the authority and give them the accountability. Too often I've seen companies where they give people all the accountability, but don't give them the authority to make the decisions. That's and, true. And, and this way, if I find, you know, if, and we've been able to put together a really great team, so they know that um, that they will succeed because of themselves and, and you know, obviously the backing we give them. But uh, they're not going to go in there with, you know, one hand tied behind their back by going, oh, great, you have to do all this stuff, but you have no control over your budget or you can't, you can't make changes and, versus, hey, I, I want those people. I want to give them that authority. You know, and I always tell everybody, my, you know, my staff, if I start, uh, I don't like to micromanage. And if I start micromanaging you, then that's probably time for you to start looking for a new job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I'm doing your work, then <laughs> I should take your salary, too. Yeah, you should start to see the handwriting on the wall. Jonathan, we're going to take, my producer's letting me know that it's time for us to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Um, when we come back to the program, I'd like you to <clears throat> talk a little bit about a current challenge that's facing your firm and what you're doing to mitigate that challenge. So stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. Jonathan Fornacci of Rita's Italian Ice will be back to answer that question and a few more here on today's show right after these words from our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire? or try and pass that business on to your children. At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment 
at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sea. With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smart way to store. Smart Stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart Stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. The radio station is Internet Radio Station OCTalkRadio.net. So if you're going to contact Smart Stop, make sure to mention our station. That would be much appreciated. Okay, we're going to return to our interview with Jonathan. Jonathan, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about a current challenge facing the firm. I wonder if you could share one with us. Yeah. yeah the, the biggest challenge that we're facing, and it goes back into um, – all of our international growth that we're doing is dealing with all the different um, government bureaucracies as we go into different countries. Um, and, you know, stuff that uh, you wouldn't think you'd have to deal with, you have to deal with. You know, here's a great example. Um, in China, uh, we needed to not only go in and start testing the, the process, but they wanted to go through and test every single one of our products. Well, we have 67 different flavors of Italian ice. We have our custard, which comes in five different flavors. So not only do we have to, you know, run tests of shipping it through their, you know, their customs, but they wanted to literally know, um, the percentages of every single, you know, product that was in, um, each and every one of these, um, you know, samples. And it takes, it takes a huge amount of time. And, you know, it was, it was a, you know, big surprise because a couple of years ago they weren't requiring that, but now they're uh, they keep looking at all these different things. Um, that's number one, and then in addition to it is just the transfer. We make all the products um, in Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey, so the farms to make all the custard are in Southern New Jersey, and then all the different flavors are actually produced right here in Philadelphia. So we turn around and then ship them through. Um, uh, New Jersey uh, around the world. And so then you have to add on top of that all the shipping times to move, you know, a couple containers of product from, you know, the United States over to China, over to India, and then it has to wait and go through the customs process. So the customs process is actually um, takes a lot longer than you would expect for a product that, you know, is made in the United States and, you know, adheres to significant, you know, um, quality control measures. And your product has a shelf life, as you said earlier. It's not like it, 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 it does perish. And so, you know, that's very an important factor, I'm sure, as you're looking at scaling internationally. Yeah, I mean that that was that one of the one of the decisions we made is we could like there's a lot of other chains that will produce product as an example in China um, or in India, but our philosophy is we wanted to control the quality. We wanted to make sure that wherever you go in the world, readers taste exactly the same. Um, and by producing everything in Philadelphia and in New Jersey, we can control that, make sure that the product is actually identical around the world. But it does add a level of complexity um, and challenge through, you know, transportation, shipping, tracking, and obviously time is of essence because this is not like shipping computer parts or anything like that. This stuff um, is very time sensitive because it has a very short shelf life. You know, you have very aggressive growth plans, both domestically and internationally. A lot of units you're planning to open in a short amount of time. Um, on our 
internet TV show, we had the CEO and founder of a firm here in Southern California by the name of Yogurtland. You might be familiar with Yogurtland, and oh, he yeah, too very, is very familiar with them. Great, okay, great, great concept, so, great product. And so Philip Chang was on our TV show, which we released this week, and he was talking about using a franchise model and sort of how they're growing and scaling around the around the globe. I wonder if you might be able to share a little bit with our audience how Rita's Italian Ice is choosing to kind of expand your footprint around the world. Right. Well, anytime we go into a new territory, so say China or India um, or now the Middle East, we look for a very strong um, local partner. You know, obviously in China, we're looking for somebody that's, you know, born and raised in China, understands the complexities of dealing with, you know, uh, the different regulations you have in each country. Um, and we we thoroughly interview and vet all the different candidates until we find um, the person that, is, that we believe is the best partner. Because in a lot of these countries, you know, money is really not an issue. So we find a lot of developers that have no problem writing the, the, the check that's necessary to be a partner with us. But it's not about the, it's not about getting the check. It's about finding who that right partner is so that we can, um, trust that they know what we're doing, um, that they can actually grow quickly enough that they have the infrastructure in place. Like our partner in, um, in China is, uh, um, has the rights for, um, Subway in uh, the southeast China. So perfect individual um, and group because now we can add on to their level of expertise with everything they've done with Subway. Now they're going in and they understand the real estate. They understand they have the support teams in place, the management teams in place. So now it's great. They can just add readers in as another one of the, the, the cogs in their machine. Uh, and the same thing we did in, in um, India, the, the master that bought the rights to India has six other concepts, franchise concepts. So he's just adding this additional concept onto what he already owns. And that ensures that we have the quality, ensures that we have people that know how to execute and won't get hung up in a lot of the, uh, the bureaucracy that you run in when you try to open stores. And then here in the U.S., you're using a franchise model as well as your own stores? Uh, it's we we are 100% franchised. Uh, oh, okay. my, pers- my personal philosophy is is when you're if if you're 100% franchised, then you're never competing against your franchisees um, because we're all aligned together. The only way um, we make money as the franchisor is the same way you make money as the franchisee. If if the franchisee is successful, then the franchisor will be successful. Um, and there's never that doubt. Uh, in the mind of a franchisee who he or she may invest their life, their life savings in opening up a couple of these stores. But if there's a company store five miles away, they're always going to have in the back of their mind, well, this, the company's going to put more energy into the company store than they are going to be helping out the franchisee. So I'm a huge believer in not not competing against my franchisees and providing them all the support to be successful. Because that's really, if you think about it, the our, our typical franchisee is really living the American dream. This is their chance to own their own small business, to hire employees, um, and to make a living for themselves. There's probably not one, but I, I want to ask, as far as the type of person that you're, or individuals that you're looking at to become a franchisee and partner for Rita's, can you... Is there a demographic or psychographic that you can share with our audience about the type of people that make successful franchisees for Rita's? Um, yeah, there's there's 
It's interesting. Um, there's not like one specific you know demographic um, that we have because we've got people from all race, creeds, everything that are, are very, very successful. But the, the one thing I can that I have seen in the franchising business, especially at Reed, is is I can pick out the top franchisees are always the people, especially because we're a very family oriented business. Um, you know, this is a place to take the, your kids for a birthday party or after a little league game or a soccer game. So since it's very family oriented, the franchisees are the most successful the franchisees that that come from that community their their kids went to that school or they went to that you know that school they can relate to the people in their neighborhood um, and they're very outgoing and I'm sure we've we've all been you know one time or another to a um, a restaurant or a sandwich shop um, and you go in and, and the people kind of just grunt at you they don't really care that you're there. They don't address you by name. They're just kind of just, you're moving through. You're getting your food and getting out of there, and there's no inter, there's no real personal interaction. When you go to Aritas, that's amazing. I mean, these people know their names, their favorites. Um, they have a direct tie back to the community and to the neighborhood. And, and that's, you know, it goes back to me personally. I like to go to places where they know who I am. They, you know, know about me. And it feels like you're kind of coming home a little bit. And that's those are the franchisees that are the most successful, the ones that really relate to the community and to the people, and they're outgoing. So, if people would like to uh, learn more about Rita's, or maybe discover if there's a Rita's in their area or coming soon to their area, how do they find you online? What's your website? Um, it's Rita'sIce.com. Um, if people, you know, are using. Uh, you know the old-fashioned PCs and, and Macs, or uh, we have a, an app that you can download from Google or from um, Apple, and that that gives you everything you possibly want. Because you know the most important thing is is when you're out driving around and you feel like something cold and refreshing. You know, you got your phone, you got your app, and it tells you the closest store and how to get there. How did you decide to develop an app? What was the genesis of that decision? Um, when I came on board, I. Coming from technology background, um, I really embrace the the value and the leverage you get from having the right technologies in place. Um, and by you know we're, we do everything from have a huge Facebook presence to Twitter, I mean, um, to Pinterest, um, to to you know Instagram. And to me, that was a, this the next piece is hey, let's not only do we you know have full time people dedicated to social media um, and blogging, but I said you know an app. That is what you know, people want. They want something at their fingertips. So not only do we have an app for that, we just rolled out um, a loyalty card. Uh, instead of having those old punch cards that you used to get when you're, you know, you know, when you went to different stores, oh, you know, you get, you know, buy nine sandwiches, get your tenth one free, and you put it in your wallet and you lose it, and there you have four of them at home with a bunch of number of punches. Here now, it's all app phone based. You've got this app; it, you can go through every time you show up at the at Rita's. You get a punch for free. You know, after you get seven punches, you get a free cup of ice. Um, and not only that, we took it even further. We've developed some really fun games. Um, they're multi-level, uh, multi-dimensional games for kids and for adults that want to play it. So I think that really has a great way to connect the customers back to Rita's um, and, and make them feel, even if they're at work or the kids are at school and, they, and they're and they thinking about what they want to do later on, and, hey, here's a great thing, well, you know, what's what's the latest? Um, the, but the, I'll tell you, the, the, the one feature of technology we put in place in 2012 that went over really well was 
you go to um, our app or to the website, and you punch in whatever your favorite flavors are because we have 67 different flavors. So you punch in, let's say, um, cherry or um, Sour Patch Kids is your favorite flavor. Every day that that's made at that store, it'll, you'll get a text message telling you that, hey, come in today because cherry was just made. Hmm. And it was amazing how it would drive people into the stores because they, you, you, everybody has their favorite, and we only make 16 flavors a day, and that's it. Um, so it gave people a chance to go in when their flavor was ready and, and be able to buy it instead of guessing what was actually at the store. Well, I'm, I, we're in Southern California, and so uh, my producer slash engineer, who's a, a foodie, is uh, looking forward to his opportunity to find a Rita's in our area. So hopefully there'll be some opening in Southern California as well. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got eight stores that will open up between March um, and April in uh, the Southern California, um, from Orange County up into Redondo and um, uh, West Hollywood. So we've got a number, and then we've got a number more that are being built as we speak. All right. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate you being on the program, and thank you for being uh, a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass community, and continued success leading and growing Rita's uh, footprint. Great. Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first guest here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Our second guest, Ted Sherwin, who is president, uh, will be with us in just a few minutes. We're going to take a short break, and he is president of IBS, and we're going to talk about what IBS is and uh, what IBS Direct is, I should say, the printing solutions and the other things that they do. But first, let's spend a little bit of time with our sponsors. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Math for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank Relationship Officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank. 
and they'll handle the rest. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi, and I just want to tell you that Mary Miller at Commerce National Bank is an outstanding business and banking professional. I know her quite well, and I heartily recommend if you're here in Southern California listening to the show either live or as a podcast to, and you're looking to understand what Commerce National Bank is about, to give Mary Miller a call. Uh, this show, Critical Mass Coast to Coast, is just one in a series of shows that we do here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. On Tuesdays, we have our Orange County show, which highlights Orange County business executives and thought leaders and academics. We call that Critical Mass Radio Show. On Wednesday, we have a show featuring Southern California nonprofit organizations and their leaders. As I said, all the shows can be heard here on Internet Radio Station octalkradio.net, where they can be rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All right. As I said, our much-awaited second guest, is now here and ready to talk with you. I'd like to welcome Ted Sherwin of IBS Direct to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Ted, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Uh, it's our pleasure to have you, my friend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what IBS Direct does? IBS Direct is a 43-year-old family-owned direct marketing printing company um, producing high-quality, high-volume printed products and direct marketing products for a number of industries, financial services, retail, telecom, banks, credit card companies, envelope manufacturers, cables, media, um, anybody who's doing direct marketing, we somehow get involved in printing products for them. We're doing direct marketing programs for them. That's a space that's been going through with technology, a lot of changes over the recent past and maybe over the past 10 years or so. So, uh, I know that you're a large printing company. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about how your firm has reacted sort of the, the technology and the structural changes uh, of the printing industry and your space in particular? Certainly. Um, it, it's no, uh, no secret that the printing industry is going through uh, a lot of commoditization. Um, overcapacity, uh, low demand, Internet is taking a lot of business from traditional print uh, media. Uh, if you look at newspapers, as an example, you can see what's going on there. Um, I think to be in the commodity business, what you need to do is um, have as much capa- capacity and fill it up, spread your overhead among, among this, um, um, as much as you can uh, in, in order to capitalize on the fact that you uh, may be in a, a situation where prices are going to fall. So uh, I think... We've been fortunate enough to acquire a couple of companies that were weaker in our space. In addition, uh, we added some products that enabled us to grow organically. At a time when many printers are suffering, we've uh, grown about 28% organically. So we are up year over year, uh, almost 140%, and part of that is through acquisition and part of it is through organic growth. Did you say 140% growth? I did. I did, in the printing industry, correct. You know, we do this show so that other people who are business owners and executives can learn from the examples of the guests. And um, one might think at first blush a printer would be under pressure and not be growing and making the acquisitions. And Were you brought in specifically for this role? Or tell us a little bit about kind of how you got to this firm. I, I will. I, will, I uh, had spent about 25 years in the printing direct marketing industry. 
And uh, in, 19, in 2002, I decided to move to Oregon and grow grapes. So I was in southern Oregon. My wife uh, turned to me one day and said, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. So why don't you go do something again? And so uh, farming's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, I started consulting back on the East Coast and ran into uh, George Snyder, who owned this company. Uh, George came to me and said, I've been unable to grow it in, in 40 years, and I don't know what's going to change tomorrow to make me think I can grow this. So very bravely, he said, would you come and grow the business for me? He had a, a strong balance sheet, but had pretty flat revenue growth for the past uh, eight to ten years. Um, a couple concentration accounts. So uh, I thought it was attractive enough. I wanted to get back to the East Coast, and so we moved back, and uh, I left 24 acres in Oregon and moved to downtown Philadelphia. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a, a great experience. George has been a wonderful person. We have a great partnership. And we're creating some real excitement here. Um, we continue to grow. Um, this year we're forecasting about another 20% without acquisition, and we're always looking for companies to buy. I uh, worked for a company that was headquartered in Portland, Oregon, and so I had an opportunity to see various parts of the state. And Southern Oregon is a beautiful place to be. I'm sure you enjoyed your time there, but uh, I guess it's not the same as being in the limelight there in beautiful Philadelphia, right? You're in Philadelphia, is that what you said? <laughs> yes, it's not, it's not quite the same. It's a, it's a whole different environment. Um, it's a beautiful country, a wonderful climate, lots of, lots of uh, outdoor things to do, but there's not a lot of uh, uh, things to do economically. That was very brave of your wife to sit, down, sit you down and have a conversation with you, too. You <laughs> must have a strong relationship. That's great to yeah. hear that story. And we also had one son who was going to, who insisted on going to school on the East Coast, and so we wanted to uh, to get back with him. Much yeah, to his chagrin. A, uh, yeah. But you know, the printing business is uh, it, it can be exciting, but you know, clearly the writing's on the wall. I mean, it's uh, there. There's going to be few of us that survive, but we kind of we kind of have a niche in a couple of areas in, in the high quality high color area we have lots of 8 and 10 color presses so we do uh you know very high quality work and about a million feet of paper a month goes through here i'm old enough to remember back i guess when i was selling in the 80s uh the whole conversation was about going paperless and how computers and technology would totally replace the need for the printed paper and sure. um that that has never happened, and um, you know, if anything, people are printing more in some ways now with their local printers and stuff in the office. So you know, the important thing, in regardless of what industry you're in, is to find a business model that allows you to make money. Exactly. And then, um, if you can make money, the next step is now: how do I grow it profitably? And it sounds like through your technology investments and your acquisitions. You're honing a strategy there to allow IBS Direct to do both, be profitable and to grow. Right. There are there are a number of opportunities through acquisition, um, and I'm not talking about being a vulture. I'm talking about opportunities where you can really save a company and create some opportunity for people. You know, we acquired two companies in New Jersey, and principally all the people that were in those companies moved over to our location north of Philadelphia to, to work here. Um, but you know, in, in both of them, we're in some economic peril. So it's it's rewarding to know that, in addition to 
having the synergies that allow you to be more profitable by consolidating those companies that you still were able to find opportunities for the people and not have to kind of throw them out. We're going to take our commercial break here, our final one on Coast to Coast today. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you if you would share with our audience what IBS Direct means when they say you provide turnkey direct response solutions. That that term intrigues me because I think that's a part of the technology underpinnings in your company, but I'd like you to explain that a little bit more, if you would, to our audience. Certainly. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. That's going to be talked about when we get back on the other side of the break, as well as a couple other questions for Ted Sherwin here today on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. But first, here's our final commercial break. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. As I mentioned during the earlier segment in the uh, radio show, if you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV show, I encourage you to go to our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com, where you can find a link to each and every show. Our latest show features the founder and CEO of Yogurtland, Philip Chang. We're talking about his philosophy for growth and how the culture of his company really has become the foundation for Yogurtland's rapid growth. All right, let's turn our attention to our guest today, Ted Sherwin. Ted, before the break, I said I was going to ask you to help us to understand what direct response solutions, turnkey direct response solutions are from your perspective at IBS Direct. Certainly. I can give you uh, an example of a customer we have that uh, several years ago uh, started a um, second mortgage lending business in the height of the financial crisis. Um, and became a phenomenally successful company. And he came to us and said he thought that the direct response, direct marketing was the only way to reach his customer base. So working with him, we did some analysis to see who the his ideal customer was. And then we did some data research to find out who those customers were, acquired lists for him that allowed him to reach those people, helped him design the creative that would appeal to those people, tested the creative um, so that they would open the package, respond to the package, um, did the printing, continued to provide the data, the, the creative re- kept refining it. In the direct response, direct marketing business, it's really important that you continue to do what works but also look for new ways. Um, and we're, we have uh, several really good people that are very adept at helping our customers do that. 
And so right now, this is about a, a 35 or $40 million company that started four years ago, five years ago, in the direct, in the second mortgage business, all using direct marketing, direct mail, and direct response as a vehicle to grow the business. I've had a number of entrepreneurs and business owners sort of around your space in direct response marketing and, and aspects of that. And what I believe I've heard, and we've had over 600 guests in the four years that our radio programs have been on the air. And, but, you know, people might have thought before that direct response marketing was going to go away. And actually, what I, what I think I know from having the guests on the program is that there are some very lucrative areas where actually people are going and using that methodology to reach customers again because in, in some ways, some of the technological ways like email, et cetera, they're getting saturated with it where direct response marketing is, is, is a unique opportunity for people to get noticed. Is, is that a fair assessment of what I just said That's in the a industry? Really fair assessment. You know, actually, the mail really works. It's probably one of the most effective tools for getting your message to somebody. You know, people do enjoy getting their mail and opening their mail. You know, there's a lot of, I hate to use the word junk mail, it's very pejorative and, you know, and we make a lot of money doing mail. But there's some junk out there that I wouldn't consider to be really good mail. And there's some mailing programs that are really terrific. So um, and I think that, that the reason people use the mail is that it really works and brings them responses that they need to support their business growth. Not that the Internet's not critical, and it is. Most of our customers I see using social media, Internet, mail, uh, traditional media, radio, TV, and a combination of all those things, depending on what message you're trying to get across, that are the most effective. But critically, um, and again, I'm speaking from a jaundiced point of view here, um, Direct mail really works. It's more expensive in many cases, but it definitely delivers for people. Well, and your example of the client that you helped really shows how technology has enabled direct response marketing to improve its its results because you can so highly target now the right type of people that should receive the piece and then research and work on what it is that would get the most results once they open it. So it, well, it's an in- interesting blend for me of, of reviving, actually, an industry through technology. Technology didn't, didn't decimate the industry. It actually enabled the industry to be more productive. Correct. You know, I think you find the people that relied on saturation um, as, a, as a marketing method, whether it's saturation in a newspaper or saturation in the mail, really suffered because they, they can't afford it and they're unable to identify their customers and a lot of them have gone by the wayside. But people that can really target and have the right message and understand their customer and understand their product can really deliver a, 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 a very valuable marketing tool with a combination of mail and new media. So what does the future hold for IBS Direct and for you with the firm? Where do you see the future growth coming from? I'll have you back at some point in the future. You'll be telling us about your growth. Where is this growth coming from for the future? We have a couple more acquisitions that we have our eyes on right now. Um, you know, uh, when I took the company over, we were around $14 million and uh, our run rate right now is, for this year is, is over $40 million. And that's in uh, in two and a half years. By the end of the year, it'll be will be over forty. Um, we have two acquisitions lined up that are another twenty twenty five. So I think I'd like to 
get another lo- location and probably grow the business to about a hundred million in the Midwest and in the East Coast, and then see where that takes us. You know, I you know I, I think you know to be the last man standing, the last company doing buggy whips, the vacuum tube manufacturer. You know, we can do a lot of analogies here, but uh, you know I think. Uh, this business will be around for a while. I don't think I don't see it here in 25 years, but I think it's certainly there's a there's a way to capitalize on it for the next five to ten. So here was a company that hadn't been growing for a number of years that was struggling to figure out how to grow. And if you said in two years, two and a half years, you went from mid teens to, to 40, 40 million. million. Is that what I heard? That's correct. Well, that's quite a story. I'm glad Ken Wax brought you to the radio program. I want to thank you for being a guest, Ted, today. If someone would like to learn about your firm, how do they find you online? Uh, you can look at us at uh, IBSDM, that's uh, International Business Systems Direct Marketing, IBSDM.com. Thank you for taking time to be on the program. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about what you're doing with your firm, and I, I wish you nothing but continued success, Ted. Thank you. My pleasure. Great being Have here. a good day. Thanks. Two very interesting business leaders from the greater Philadelphia area. This month is all about growth. This year in critical mass, we call it the growth zone. We believe 2013 um, is an exciting year for our members of our community to realize the growth potential that has been latent, maybe, with some of the challenges of the recession. Although, I'll tell you, I had one of my peer group meetings today and as each member of the group came around and gave their updates on the end of the year, every one of them had seen increased revenue year over year uh, and were projecting future growth here in 2013. So I believe we are on a slow and steady increase, and I'm excited to be able to say that finally after four years of doing this radio show and some of the darkest times of the recession. It feels good, although I don't want to jinx anything, but it just does feel good to be talking about growth. If you'd like to learn more about what Renaissance Executive Forums does, and again, I want to thank Ken Wax for bringing two outstanding guests to us today, you can find Executive Forums online at www.executiveforums.com. I hope you've enjoyed the radio show today. I've certainly enjoyed the interviews sitting on this side of the mic. And uh, this show was brought to you by Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and our newest sponsor, Smart Stop Self Storage. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. His birthday was yesterday. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. And I am your host, Richard Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about our business, then visit our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until the next time we have a chance to talk, we're hoping that all of your decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on OCTalkRadio.net.